Ladies and gentlemen, every other Tuesday on the Journey into Comics Network, it's poor news with the late breaking news when it matters most. The following, the following, the following. Is a journey into comics, 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 network, 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 production, production, and here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to Journey Into Comics, the podcast dedicated to all things nerd, with your host, the podfather himself, Nate Phillips. Showtime, a-holes. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to another episode of Journey Into Comics. It's Journey Into Comics 217. I'm your host, Nate. Hope everybody's doing fantastic, as always, as we kick off this week on the Journey Into Comics Network. Uh, getting right down to it, man. It's been crazy. The last time I talked to you guys was a day before the before the election last Tuesday, and I went and I really actually took things to the next level and did my civic duty and helped two others ensure their civic duty just to help do our part and try to turn our, our country around. So uh, Tuesday I got up and I took Sarah to the polls, and she voted and did her thing, and then I picked her up, and then dropped her off, and got my stuff together, and then drove south towards Lowell, when I got to Lowell, I picked V, or I went to V's house, I went and I hung out with Oliver, so Veronica could leave long enough to go to the bank and vote, so she did both those things, comes back from that, and then I left, and drove the rest of the way home, to my, to my hometown, and voted, where I'm registered to vote, and cast my vote, and for the first time in my whole entire life, by choice, I voted for a Republican one time, and he fucking lost, which is unbelievable to me that that happened, but um, I feel like there's some interesting things to come in the state of Illinois. Uh, so it was really cool to to do that and vote and be a part of that, and it's interesting because as far back as like 2000, you know, really the first election, I remember actively thinking about participating in and having an opinion and talking to people about and whatnot. And I, I don't, you know, that was the whole Al Gore thing and the rigged election and Florida's recount and all that jazz. So I've tried to always, ever since I've been able to vote, which was from 2005 on, or really 2006, I guess, on. Yeah, because I think the first election I voted was 2008 uh, officially, because I voted in 2006 midterms and then, yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, I feel like it's just like a you have to go out there and do it. You just have to go and vote. It just makes the most sense to me. So voted. And then it's really crazy because, like I said, taking it all the way back to like 2000 when that first election. I remember staying up all night and watching and it was like the votes are in and Al Gore is going to be president. George W. Bush is going to be president. You know, there's a recount in Florida. What's going to happen? All these things. Watching the the numbers change slowly and the the percentages adjust to how Florida was going to fall and whatnot. And it was fascinating to me. It's like uh, one part of politics that really genuinely does fascinate me is watching how the country votes and watching the, the map turn the different colors. Is it going to turn red? Is it going to turn blue? Interestingly enough, one state turned purple. I know, right? Well, it actually stayed purple because Bernie uh, maintained there in Vermont uh, and his seat in the Senate, which is no real surprise there. I mean, come on now. He's an intelligent, progressive individual who's trying to change the country for the better and give everybody a chance. And I think I think that's an amazing message. Uh, interesting things to come out of this. Well, you guys are going to hear about this tomorrow on As I Take My First Drink Break of the Show. Poor news, which will be covering the uh, the election results and everything, all the ins and outs of all the different things that happened. It just felt good to kind of like be in that and watching it happen, and this time I felt like it was weird. There were a couple moments there where I felt really hopeless. Like you'd see it's like the chance that the Republicans are going to keep the House 3 to one or whatever, and then it would flip back and it would say that the Dems are, you know, 14 out of 15 going to keep the House or take the House, and then it would talk about the Senate, and then it's flip-flop, flip-flop, and there's still all these questions, and there's still races that are to be won and to be lost, and there's, I don't know, it's very, very cool to me how it all goes down, and I'm really, it was really cool to see a lot of people go out and vote, huge turn turnout for voters, which was cool. Uh, so yeah, I'm going to get rid of the... Uh, the 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 fucking political talk, I guess, as it were, and take this drink break uh, brought to you by Poor News. 
nothing like a good swig of Pepsi, you know, just like sometimes it just hits you. It's weird because I'm actually a Coke drinker, but Veronica, bless her heart, has converted me to be a Pepsi drinker more times than not. It's what's in our household, so it's what I drink. So uh, back at it here. Uh, I want to talk about the Chicago Bears represent Chicago. I love the Bears. I've been a lifelong fan of the Chicago Bears. I have, I mean, watched so many games and so many terrible seasons and lived through the Lovey Smith era and lived through the fucking, who was before that guy? It was fucking, uh, oh, God damn it, what was his name? He ended up going to, he ended up going to um, the, he ended up going to, Okay, so it was Ditka, Ditka left, and then it was fucking mustachioed man, Geraldo Rivera, or whatever the fuck his name is, uh, Chicago Bears coaches. I want to see a list of these guys' as coaches, current coaches. Okay, list of Chicago Bears head coaches. Sorry, I needed to do this because it was very important that I do this, so... Uh, Dave Wanstat was one of the coaches I remember as, as as Dick Geron. He was, um, you know, he actually took one team pretty far in 2001, shockingly, but they did not end up winning uh, under Jim Miller's tutelage of throwing the football. You had the Levy Smith era, uh, a couple years there, eight years. You had the weird Mark Tressman era. You can win games, but you can't win championships, and you don't really do anything. You have the John Fox era. Everybody thought that was going to be spectacular. It really wasn't anything special. And then here we are in this new era with Matt Nagy, and, man, are these Chicago Bears fun as fuck to watch? Right now they're 6-3, and three, okay? And, and as I speak, yesterday they just beat the absolute shit out of the Detroit Lions, which was a great division win, you know? So it's cool because... Thinking about football brings me back to my dad and like growing up and whatnot. But I just love when the Bears are great because there's no, there's just a rush because you know 1985 is a long time. It's um what is that 33 years at this point? So it's been 33 years since the Chicago Bears have actually won a Super Bowl. It's a long fucking time. They've been in what one Super Bowl between then and then. So that's like. A crazy dry spell, and this team, I'm not saying the 2018 into 2019 Chicago Bears are destined to go to the Super Bowl or anything of that nature, but I do think they are a very strong-willed team that if they continue to play the strong, intelligent, smart, um, not super um, pressured feeling football that they've been, I mean, they've been doing a great job of keeping uh, Mitchell Trubisky uh, clear in the pocket giving him an opportunity to throw the ball downfield, uh, giving him an opportunity to have some crazy, amazing things. I mean, he's he's got sick, he's got one game against the Buccaneers where he throws for six touchdowns in one game. And he did that in, I think, three quarters, actually. Pissed me off. They just could have let him throw two more, and he would have had the record. And that would have been amazing. But I get it. You're humble. You, I don't want to take a record. It's, it's not, I don't need to, I'm not trying to do that when I'm a fucking second-year player or whatever. I get that. I appreciate that. You know, this Trubisky kid's going to get better with age, especially if he stays with Matt Nagy, I think. And and that's the same thing with the offensive line, the very, very intelligent offensive line the Chicago Bears have. And they're and like I said, they're great at protecting their quarterback and their running backs too as well. Tariq Cohen just running the ball all the fuck over everybody. Uh, Howard doing a great job of just like, I think it's Jordan Howard, right? He just like drives the ball up the fucking middle and just like fucking slams through people. He's a hard, gritty gritty football player, you know, and Tariq Cohen's this, like, super fast, tiny finesse guy that's, like, it's weird. He's, like, part Walter Payton, part Devin Hester. It's, like, this weird hybrid of a player. You've got all these different amazing wide receivers, and and that's just the offense. The, the, the defense, if you're not watching Chicago Bears football, the defense is stellar. They've got Khalil Mack, and they've got uh, Jonathan Trevathan, and they've got, uh, oh, man, I can't think of all these guys' names. on Johnny on the spot here. They just have such a stellar defense. Oh, oh, oh uh, Kyle Fuller. Don't want to forget Kyle Fuller. He's one of the standout guys. Um, number 39, I can't think of his fucking name, but he's been on in so many plays and had so many crazy things come up. Uh, but overall, it's just like this team is really fun to watch. Six and three, they've been in every single game. They've been leading at the half in every single game. Here's another stat. They are one pick six that was dropped 
or one, I guess, uh, interception that was dropped because it didn't necessarily need to go for a pick six. If the interception would have happened, we would have won the game. So uh, interception dropped, a missed field goal, and one singular yard. And the one singular yard against the Patriots thing, like that's, man, you know. Uh, oh, 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 what's his name? Ke- Kevin White. He's a wide receiver, number 11, and he's amazing. He's uh, He was injured a bunch and has started to finally kind of like find his place. I don't think he was really active that much today or really did a whole lot of anything. Of course, Khalil Mack coming off injury today was just a fucking monster. The whole defense was a monster. They had so many sacks against Matthew Stafford. It was insane. And I know this is journey into comics. You guys are like, why are we nerding out about sports? But this is just like one thing that once in a while I'm going to nerd out about. Sorry, there's nothing you can do to stop me. It's, I mean, professional football is one of my favorite things. So this is the podcast where I'm going to talk about it. I mean... I don't really have another podcast where I'm going to talk about it. It's not like I'm going to create journey into football. It's not something I'm really, not something I'm really into. So uh, yeah, go Chicago Bears. Love them. They are kicking lots and lots and lots of ass. Uh, jump over now to another part of my life that you guys know and love. Walk among us, folks. We got our Kickstarter. We've only a few days left now. We're down to our final two or three days here in our campaign. We're right about halfway. We need that final surge, that final push in the final few days to get to our goal so we can make our first record. If you've got 5 bucks, 25 bucks, 1500 bucks, I don't care. Whatever you can give to us, that money is genuinely going to help us do something. And your pledge or your delaying of your pledge could be causing other people to delay their pledge because they're like, oh, I want to see them get a little bit further before I pledge my money. So if you jump on the train early, another person's going to jump on the train early, and that just keeps spiraling. The more people that jump on, the faster this thing will fund. And we got a lot of cool things coming up. Obviously, you guys can go to kickstarter.com. Uh, actually, just go to tinyurl.com backslash for the fiends. That's where you can go to get our Kickstarter because I made a little tiny URL so it was easier for you guys to find us. So with that being said, go there, donate. We would really fucking love it. I love you guys so much. It'd be so amazing. I posted on my Facebook earlier today, and I'm actually going to pull the actual quote up of exactly what I said. I mean, I said one quote. I'm not going to talk about that one, but it was it was a really funny joke. Um, it was just, it's, it's, okay, I don't, again, not trying to be a politics show and save it for poor entertainment, but... Is it strange to anybody else that Donald Trump canceled going to a memorial um, in France for an American memorial for the World War II vets, I think, uh, because of rain? And this is the same guy that we know likes getting pissed on? Like, I I, I guess I was confused. It was like a little bit of like, uh, maybe, uh, what's the best way to say this? It's just like... uh, maybe he it was too cold maybe the rain was too cold it wasn't like pee to him because it wasn't warm maybe it wasn't because it was being administered by a russian person the sky was french sky it wasn't a russian sky so he wasn't feeling the piss feeling on his face but what i really think it is is he's a fucking pussy and he's a scared of jim acosta who he banned from the white house but you can't ban from france motherfucker break it down Okay, anyways, so this is back to the thing I wanted to say. Um, On Facebook earlier today, about five hours ago at this point, I posted, because I, uh, and we'll get into all this here in a second, baffled that the unreleased Fantastic Four film, which was from 1994, is the best attempt, uh, or is the best of the attempts at the Fantastic Four. So let's break it down, guys. Uh, I was scrolling the other day on Facebook, and somebody posted a link from some, like, weird third party like total marvel or some it was i don't fucking know what it was but anyways it was like hey on youtube they actually have the fantastic four movie from 94 and this is one of those things very much like uh superman lives the movie that never came out the tim burton nick cage driven uh story they were going to do with superman this is one of those things that knowing that it was never released knowing the fantastic four movie in 1994 never came out it was supposed to debut may 31st of 1994 and then just never went to theaters and it never existed i mean and they even had trailers and shit for it you know it's really crazy how they did this movie so dirty and we're going to get down with all those details and and really really dive into what happened here so as my cat desperately tries to get into 
the kitchen. I don't. You guys probably heard her meow just then. That was crazy. It scared the fuck out of me. So anyways, I'm scrolling, and I see that you can watch the Fantastic Four movie, and I was like, no fucking way. It would be so cool to watch that because there's this interesting history with this movie. Like I said, they poured a couple million dollars into this film. Uh, most of that was you know, spent on Ben Grimm's costume. Uh, the movie itself had very few special effects. What special effects it had were at the time even kind of poor and questionable as to how it was going to, you know, in the end turn out. Um, but ultimately, and this is where things get uh, interesting, in the mid-80s, German film producers Konstantin Films bought the 10-year option rights from Marvel Comics for an initial $250,000 just before the 10-year option ran out in order to meet the terms of the contract so they would have first refusal to re- renew the contract. Konstantin Films hurried... Um, and had this film put into production. Marvel were not impressed with the low-budget result, and in order to avoid damaging the brand, they quietly brought the film, a f- or they bought a the few film prints and negatives from Constantine Films to avoid the possibility of it getting any kind of theatrical or video release, but not before somebody in the industry had managed to make an illicit video copy. Both Roger Corman, who produced the film, the director, Oli Saison, and the cast and crew of the film were not consulted or informed of this move, as they were indeed plans in place for a small theatrical release, and a trailer had been made with this in mind. It is rumored that Marvel subsequently had all the film prints and negatives destroyed. The end result was Constantine Films were able to keep another 10-year option for the Fantastic Four film series. After Constantine Films secured funding from 20th Century Fox, the budget... Um, version uh, that came out in 2005 ended up being the final result. After the box office success, which was mediocre at best, 2005 version and several years before Marvel had formed their own film studio, Marvel then renewed Constantine Films' 10-year option and resulted in the 2007 sequel and the 2015 reboot. However, the critical and financial failure of the 2015 version made Fox get cold feet in the FF project and withdrew uh, it uh, concentrating on keeping hold of its more successful and profitable franchises like the X-Men. Uh, at present, it is not known if Constantine Films renewed the rights or if the rights have reverted back to Marvel. This was at the time of writing, but I know, and you guys know, Marvel has purchased the rights to Fox, meaning they have the rights to the Fantastic Four, and that's where all this beautiful stuff is going to come into play here in a little bit. So... I want to talk about the actual movie, though. The story is not bad. So there's this um, this thing that's happening, this phenomenon in space called Colossus. Poor choice of naming it, I guess. Like, there's an X-Men character named Colossus. I wouldn't cross the streams there, necessarily. I think you could have maybe came up with a different name for the creation or whatever. Galactus or whatever you want to call it. Maybe is some sort of little subtle reference. But, uh... It's going to cross, and, and everybody's going to be able to see it, and Reed Richards and Victor, they never say his last name, just his friend Victor, um, are building this thing, and they want to like harvest some of the energy and try to see what it can do or whatever. Well, the experiment goes wrong, and it fries and kills Victor, and Ben Grimm, who's friends with Reed Richards, goes and tries to save him, and it doesn't work, uh, it do- then jumps... Uh, well, it's 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 uh, at some point before then, Reed Richards goes to his boarding home, which is where he's living, and the lady who runs the place has two kids, which are Johnny and Susan Storm. So they're like, I don't know, Johnny's probably like 13 in this point, and Susan's probably like 15 or 16 at this point, somewhere in that range, and um, Reed's probably like 27 or so, you know, so there's like a, a little bit of an age gap there. So... Okay, so the thing happens with Victor Von Doom, and I I do encourage you guys to go watch this for yourselves and and make your own judgments on this because my opinion is probably not going to be everybody else's opinion on this one. I actually feel I'm going to be in the minority saying this is a really good movie, and I'm but I'm going to kind of break it down for you guys and give you the reasons why I think it's a good movie and give you the give you the layout. And I am going to kind of spoil it a little bit, but I'm not going to give everything away. I don't want to tell you all the details. I'm just going to kind of give you the setup. So then after the the accident and the thing with Colossus, ten years passes. And there's, there's going to be this memorial to Victor, and, and Reed wants to take his ship that he was trying to build in the first place and take it up into space so that uh, so that Reed can memorialize uh, 
one Victor Von Doom. As I realize, and Dick is going to fucking comment in the Journey into Comics Network thing, I know. It's coming. Like it's He probably already commented on it, you guys, and I don't even know. But uh, Pop Filter Awareness Month. Yeah, I know, Dick. I know. I'm trying to put it on while I'm talking, guys, so apologize for that. But I'm not going to stop the fucking show for it. I'm just going to make do and make shit get right. That's how you do it. Fucking pro up or grow up. Some shit like that. Anyways, so 10 years passes. They're going to memorialize Victor. They're going to fly into space and, like, well, memorialize him. And they've got this plan. And they go to space to do the plan, and there's some other shenanigans at play that they're not aware of where Victor is actually still alive um, as this guy named Dr. Doom, which is fucking amazing, and I love the the costume design of Dr. Doom. Here's the interesting thing. The guy that plays... Uh, the guy that played Von Doom, right, which his name was Joseph Culp, he was not a very good Victor Von Doom, like pre-accident. But he was amazing as Dr. Doom, and and I'll get into that in a second. So so shenanigans are at play. The ship gets uh, blown up in space, which this is one small thing I did have a little problem with, but I can overlook it because it's the times. I think about 1994, as kids, we wouldn't have even thought twice about this in the movies. We'd have been like, that's fucking great. Oh, my God, it was amazing. I don't care. So, uh, the shuttle blows up, and the next thing you know, you're on Earth. Shocker? What? You blew up in space, and somehow you landed on Earth. You made it back through the gravitational, uh, the ozone and all that shit, and, and plummeted to Earth. And then the fall from Earth did not kill you, or the fall to Earth from space did not kill you. That's a very... Wow, you did not become gelatinous and explode into tiny little pieces. That's crazy. Okay. So anyways, they're all in this field, and everybody seems fine. Everything seems normal right out the gate. And Johnny's like, I'm fine, except for I got a little dirt in my nose. And then he he's like, ah, ah. And much like I actually do all the time, fucking he sneezes. Achoo! But he sneezes fucking fire and blows up this bush. And he's like, holy shit, whoa, I, what, that, did I do that? Oops. So then uh, he hears his sister say, yes, yes, uh, Johnny, you did do that. That was you. And they're like, Sue, where are you? Sue, where are you? And they can't find her. And then she kind of like half appears, and here she comes. She's the invisible woman. She's like kind of uh, translucent. She's Her opacity has been changed and shifted a little bit. So that happens, and uh, she has this like freak-out moment, and she's falling and she's going to, like, get impaled to death by this fucking sharp, pointy thing that's off the ship. And Reed's long-ass arm <laughs> grabs her and pulls her in and saves her, right? So, again, ten years later. So there's a little chemistry building between these two. He's a little bit older. He's got the gray silver fox thing going on. She's a little bit older. She's a maturing adult. You know, she's 22 and independent. And fuck you, Mom. I'm going to make my own choices. <laughs> so... uh they are all together, and then they're finally rescued. And they're rescued, and this scientist is going to, like, just trying to do, essentially trying to figure out what the fuck has happened. Trying to take blood, figure it out, and there's some funny stuff that happens there. Then they kind of realize something weird is happening. They feel like they're being held captive. So they go to the source where they meet Doom, and Doom is like, no, I'm not trying to fucking hold you captive. I'm trying to make you feel at home. Like, you you should feel totally welcome here. What are you fucking doing? Like, have I not done enough to make you feel welcome? Oh, shit, and I also forgot that earlier in the movie they set up Alicia Masters, which is famously Ben Grimm's girlfriend and wife at some point. Uh, she runs into Ben randomly, and she her statue gets just fucking devastated and exploded, but it kind of sets up her backstory later, and she ends up getting kidnapped by the jeweler, and there's like this whole subplot that happens there, and that ties into the end of the movie, and we're not going to go there. So they realize that Doom is a bad guy, and they're going to fight back, and they end up fighting back against all the Doom bots, which are like people, but they look like Doom bots. It was very confusing, but cool. I dug it. It was, it was an interesting take on Doom bots. I wasn't against it. Totally. So they escape 
what I assume is supposed to be Latveria, but I don't know. I couldn't, you know, they didn't have, they don't, obviously don't have uh, closed captions, so the what the exact words that are being said were kind of, a little bit of the, the story was lost on me, I'm going to be honest, because some of the dialogue was a little harder to make out. It is a, like an illegal copy from 1994, so good on whoever was smart and like, I want a copy of this before anybody fucking else. And, and then them having the copy before anybody else are like, oh, I have the only copy of this movie and I can't show it because they'll fuck me in the streets. So he didn't show anyone until 2017, and that's when it ended up on YouTube. I'm going to put the link to this movie, by the way, which is something you can watch on YouTube. You can also just search the unreleased Fantastic Four movie, and you'll find it on YouTube. But you can watch it, and you guys can make your own opinions on it. Okay, so the story is good. The cast is good. You've got Alex Hyde-White playing Reed Richards in Mr. Fantastic. A lot of these people you guys have probably never heard. Let's just be honest. But uh, Jay Underwood as Johnny Storm in The Human Torch. Uh, Rebecca Staub as Sue Storm, Invisible Woman. Interesting to note, Veronica immediately notices Sue Storm and's like, oh, I know that girl. She was in this movie, Love Potion Number 9. So I look it up to fact check, you know, because I'm like that. And sure as shit, this lady has only been in two fucking movies, Love Potion Number 9 and motherfucking the Fantastic Four. It was crazy. So this is a very analytical breakdown, like from a comic book act's aspect on the Fantastic Four. I do want to mention to you guys that we are probably going to be talking about that on this week's episode of Foodies Watching Movies, uh, where we kind of dive a little bit deeper into the Fantastic Four. We'll briefly touch on the music here, where I'm just going to say it was kind of like the John Williams Greatest Hits ripoff special. Like, it was right, this movie was coming out and, and being produced right around the time where uh, Jurassic Park had been released in theaters, so this has a Jurassic Park-esque vibe to it. It has some Star Wars vibes to it. There's some other musical choices and vibes from it, but the music is very blasé. That's all I'm going to say. The FX, the effects. I've already talked about this a little bit, and, and, and the effects itself are um, they're subpar. When Johnny is doing his flame stuff, it looks really wonky. When he's full flame on in the one scene that he does it, it's really wonky. But again, it's 1994, and there's that that that's the thing that just kind of rings true. Like, man, 94 with those some of the visual effects they were trying to tackle, it was pretty ballsy. Genuinely, uh, the low budget definitely affected. It. I feel like if this movie would have had a couple more million dollars put to it, it might have done something really special. Because I do like the story. I do like the story they try to tell, and they put some cohesive thoughts to this story. One thing I absolutely, genuinely, heart and soul love, without question. It was authentic. This movie felt and moved and acted and seemed and existed as the Fantastic Four as I've always wanted. And that's the thing that's crazy to me is this little gem from 94 that a lot of people don't like. And and maybe that's just, you know, maybe that's just me being a fucking weirdo, you know. But honestly, a lot of people don't like this movie and I love it. It's charming. And, and I look at the other attempts at the Fantastic Four, the 2015 with Miles Teller, the 2007 or 2005 versions with Chris Evans, and I just go, no, I don't like those versions. They're not good. They're not what the Fantastic Four is all about. They don't scream Fantastic Four to me. They cheapened it every single time, some way or somehow. However... With this one, there was just such authenticity to the comics and trying to be true to it and trying to include little nuances here and there and little Easter eggs here and there and really piecing it together. It really made me feel very, very, very satisfied as a viewer of movies. And as Tyler from Podcastrophy would say, I was entertained. And that's the most important thing. When I watch a movie, I want to be entertained. This movie entertained me because it was it was... It was one of those things where it was almost kind of so quote-unquote bad because of the low quality that it was really good. And then there's, like I said, listen, the quality is really bad, but the story rings true and shines through. Why do you think that is? Is it because the movie's, I just, it's weird because the movie, I think the movie had a chance. It stood a chance in 94 to grow legs and do its own thing, and maybe we would have had a, a little bit of a slightly different time. I mean, they even used, at the time, comic-accurate uh, suits for the Fantastic Four to make them look as comic-accurate as possible, you know? And it's just, uh, if you look at the IMDb on this, people have reviewed it, you know? It does get, uh, let's see here, what's the actual rating? 3.9 out of 10. So it's rated pretty low. It's a, like a four-star out of 10 movie. It only goes an hour and a half. It is kind of short. The end is kind of goofy. 
how they do some things is really dorky. The thing looks weird. Like, there are a lot of things to give negative points to. However, heart and soul. Heart and soul is going to win out for me every single time. And this movie has it. It screams heart and soul. And I love it. I, I really do. I was very, very grateful that I had the opportunity to finally see this movie. Now, there is a little bit of uh, what we'll call trivia um, here's some interesting things. Mark Ruffalo actually auditioned for the role of Dr. Doom for this movie. Uh, of course, we do know that he ends up playing Banner, which is cool. Uh, Patrick Warburton also auditioned for the role of Ben Grimm. Um, at first, Marvel denied that this film ever existed. When they were confronted with the footage of the film's trailer, they said it was a pilot for a TV show that was never commissioned. They reluctantly admitted its existence several years later after the film found its way on the internet via a bootleg VHS coffee. copy. Renee O'Connor auditioned for the role of Sue Storm. When Doctor Doom is talking to the Fantastic Four on screen at one point, he spells out what he says, but it's backwards because he spells it from his perspective. The later HQ uh, location of the Fantastic Four in the movie actually has the 444 Flower Building, uh, now known as Citigroup Center, also known as Law Offices of Mackenzie Brackman, Cheney, and Kuziak from the LA Law Television Series from NBC that ran in September of... Oh, that's some weird... I don't give a fuck about that. Um, this movie was made to keep the rights. We already know that. The music in this trailer advert is actually the same theme from another Roger Corman production, Battle Beyond the Stars. The music soundtrack to he the music soundtrack he actually the actual oh he used for the final cut of the film and it's originally uh, especially commissioned piece though oh weird interesting okay so those are interesting facts about the movie it's a weird movie folks i do like i said say it again encourage you guys go see it watch it on your own it's something i liked it i did not hate this movie this is, uh, oh, Rotten Tomatoes even has some shit on it. This is interesting. Let's see what some people have said. I want to see, like, a good review and a bad review and read it from two different spots. Um, by far the best Fantastic Four movie so far. I agree with you. It's clear that all involved put a lot of heart and effort into everything we see, but it's also clear the heart and effort only gets you so far when the per, uh, purse strings have been pulled tight. Agreed. That's very true. These are Those are good, you know... Um, those aren't bad reviews, man. People are saying some nice stuff. I don't I don't hate this movie. I'm just I'll say it again. I liked it. I liked it. I think you guys should check it out. Maybe you'll like it too. Let's get into some news. How about? I think it's finally fucking time. We're already talking about uh the Fantastic Four, so we're gonna move into not the Fantastic Four, but we're gonna talk about some more Marvel news as uh, we've got some information. Joe Russo did a recent interview, and he was uh, doing a little Q&A on Instagram, I think it was, or something. And somebody asked, like, when can we expect to see the trailer for Avengers 4? He said, you might not see it before the calendar turns to 2019. You might. Who knows? I think we're going to see it soon. Uh, he also said they're about halfway through the editing process. They're really just scratching the surface on all their visual effect shots as uh, the second movie that has more than 3,000 visual effect shots. They require a lot of time, thought, and energy, and effort. you got to think that when you're doing that, you're thinking about every piece of lighting and how everything that each character is doing is affecting the light, the mood, the sound, the style, the what is every every it's so crazy how fine detail they have to think about all that stuff you know uh so they're in the early phases of getting the visual effects done we just started working with alan silvestri on the score and we're still editing picture at this point a lot of fans think that the trailer could arrive before the end of november marvel doesn't have any big events or releases during that time but it would mark exactly one year after the first uh infinity infinity war trailer was unveiled Given that A4 is set to hit theaters almost exactly one year after Avenity War, releasing the trailer on the same day would make sense. There's some more that was actually said with this Joe Russo thing when talking about the runtime. Someone was curious, like, how long do you think uh, Avengers 4 is going to be? And he said the running time on Avengers 4 is currently sitting right at three hours, so we'll see if that holds. But it's sitting right at three hours right now. He also says uh, back uh, earlier in the year, he said... I could say I say it could easily be a three-hour film, but I think that you know we're very hard on the material. We like to play it at a certain pace, and I'm sure we'll squeeze it. I do think it'll be longer than Infinity War, um, and that's really all he says there. So 
interesting note, he also, like, was going to reveal the title and then intentionally cut the feed and shit. It's like, we get it. You guys are trolling us over and over and over, and you got fans so overhyped. The hype is unreal, and the hype will never match whatever the fuck this movie's called. Um, it's like, almost at this point, do you think they're going to change the name of the movie, and they still haven't decided what they're going to call the movie? Maybe that's the truth. Maybe they don't know what they want to call this movie, and every time someone guesses what they want to call it, they're like, throw it off the fucking board. We can't call it Annihilation anymore. We can't call it The Last Avenger anymore. We can't call it fucking Forever. We can't call it Avengers Assemble. We can't call it Avengers Disassemble. We can't call it Avengers Thanos Quest. Like, ooh, that'd be a good one. But, um... Speaking of Thanos, according to a new study, Thanos did nothing wrong and superheroes are more violent than villains. Um, I'm going to read this little article here to you guys. If you're a fan of the MCU, there's only one thing you probably know with a solid measure of certainty. Thanos is the villain of Infinity War. After all, he went pretty brutal lengths to acquire the stones, snapping his fingers, dusting a ton of lives across the universe. And that's just how he works, and that's how the villains work. It turns out, though, depending on your perspective and how you weigh out Overall actions and consequences, a new study from Pennsylvania State University and presented at the American Academy of Pediatrics finds that while some villains may have some dubious morals and values when it comes to their actions, it's the heroes who carry out more violence overall. The researchers watched 10 of the top-grossing superhero movies between 2015 and 16, both Marvel and DC, such as Age of Ultron, Suicide Squad, Batman vs. Superman, and so on, categorizing the major characters into good guy, protagonist, bad guy, antagonist. From there, they broke down each character's actions, finding the surprising. Good guys had an average of 23 violent acts per hour, while the bad guys averaged only 18. On top of that, the good guys were noted to be more likely seen fighting at most double the rate of the villains, using lethal weapons and destroying property. The really shocking numbers in the analysis, however, heroes were committing murder at an astounding rate. 168 compared to 93 on the villain side. There was only one category of acts where villains took the lead. Bullying, torture, intimidation, with 237 instances for villains as opposed to 144 for the heroes. For researchers, those numbers present a complicated view of superheroes as quote-unquote good guys, since children often look up to their favorite superheroes as role models. Children and adolescents see the superheroes as good guys and may be influenced by their portrayal of risk-taking behavior and acts of violence. Pediatric health providers should educate families about the violent depiction in the genre of film and the potential dangers that may occur when children attempt to emulate these perceived heroes. However, while the numbers are surprising, and Olympia's comments about making sure families are educated about how to mitigate the potential risk uh, the violence depicted in superhero films can cause worth noting, the study doesn't appear to take the context of the actions into consideration. Fans could argue that when it comes to some of the categories such as property damage and fighting and possibly even the use of lethal weaponry, that those are actions prompted by the villains. For example, Thor probably wouldn't have showed up uh, Storm wouldn't have shown up Stormbreaker, a lethal weapon, to take on Thanos had Thanos not been trying to snap his finger and wipe out half the universe. True. The Avengers probably wouldn't have caused so much property damage in New York had the Chitauri not invaded in the first place, either meaning the actions of the heroes do not occur in a vacuum. Of course, there will always be those who think that the universe is better off with half its life gone, making Thanos the hero, so your mileage may vary. Uh, yeah, to me it's interesting to think about that because I really do agree with the look at it like, out of context, yeah, sure, villain, bad, good guys look like bad guys. But when you, okay, let's take this into the real world. Let's shift this. If there's a cop, and he's one cop, and he's one cop who, okay, he's one cop who is going to have to save the day, let's say. And there's a bank robbery happening, and there's 10 bad guys inside, okay? Between the 10 bad guys, only two people have ever killed anyone, okay? That's the number right now because some of the guys on the job are just regular-ass fucking people. You know, they're not nothing special. So think about it like this, right, and, and just follow my line of thinking here. So the cop goes into the bank robbery to save all the people. He kills all 10 bank robbers who have guns towards him in an act of violence towards him like they want to kill him. In a shootout, he kills all 10 of the bad guys. Do you really think the cop in that one instance is a bad guy? He just saved all these people. Doesn't the action of saving people and helping mitigate and get rid of uh, pains caused to people through these villainous acts, isn't that the whole point of the hero's morality? 
acts of violence as just acts of violence are just acts of violence with no context. But put it into context, I think this is an interesting but very kind of dumb study. Anyways, let's move on from here as we get into an interesting thing. I want to talk about this briefly, uh, but before I talk about this, I'm going to bring up this little interesting thing. Uh, So Brie Larson is doing the Captain Marvel movie, and uh, they found a picture, or a picture was released through Brie Larson at a payphone booth, um, and there was a number on the payphone booth for people to call. That number, to some people, were like, oh, shit, that's the number from The Sweet Life of Zack and Cody, apparently, that's like this thing, right? However, that number is not owned by ABC anymore, and if you call it, it goes to a sex hotline. So a non-safe-for-work thing there that Brie Larson and Marvel are sharing a active picture of a sex line on the internet, and um, you got to think, man, if I'm a Marvel fan, what's the first thing I'm going to do? And I am a Marvel fan, and I didn't do this because I didn't see the picture until I saw this article, but I'm going to want to call the number and see if there's any cool, like, fucking, oh, my God, is there crazy Captain Marvel hidden, like, um, marketing that we're going to get? There was some cool Dark Knight marketing back in 2008 or 2007 going into 2008 where you, like, heard part of the Joker's breaking into the fucking bank in the first part of the movie and you heard some of the shit that was going on like through this phone call it was crazy i'll never forget that um so don't call that number right now because it will take you to a porn hotline lovely a sex hotline that is so anyways here's another interesting thing a japanese website um recently released some images for stuff about uh captain marvel and, oh, it's Marvel's Japanese website that holds a few key de- key details, including uh, the year that Captain Marvel takes place. It also features an interesting line in regards to her effect on the Avengers. The first few lines of text on her page translation reads, too. Drawing the beginning of the heroes who hold the key to the Avengers' birth. Another line reads, the beginning of the hero which triggered the birth of the Avengers is now revealed. So, what does that mean? It could be possible that the whole Captain Marvel movie is actually Captain Marvel going into the past knowingly, or at some point maybe in a post credit scene or something, she's going to go back and essentially tell Nick Fury every single thing that needs to happen to stop Thanos. Every single thing to create the Avengers, everything, each Avenger, who they're going to be, when their powers are going to show up, um, how how Nick Fury finds them, like all these things, you know, the Battle of New York. Like she already has all this knowledge, future time, and goes back and imparts it onto a Nick Fury who has to carry that with him and ensure that all these little moments line up just to ensure that even though Thanos shows up, they still have everything in play. That's why he gets the pager. That's why he goes, oh, mother... And hits the button because he knows this is the point. Like, oh, this is what she was talking about. This is exactly the moment that she was saying was going to happen. I did. How did I not even realize it was right now? That's why when he sees Hill, he's starting to recognize what's going on because he's already been told by Captain Marvel, this shit's going to happen. You're only going to have so much time. You're going to have to hit this button to tell me to go here so I can do all this other stuff because we have to keep everything in order in the timeline. Here's the beeper. Boom. That'd be crazy. I'm. I'm. I don't know what Captain Marvel is gonna hold, but March can't get here fucking fast enough. I want Captain Marvel. I need it now. I also really, genuinely, desperately want an Avengers four trailer. Just fucking give it to us. It's not gonna be that hard, folks. All you do is you release it on the internet. That's it. I feel like at some point somebody's gonna leak it. Like it's gonna come out a little bit sooner in leaked footage, or some leaked footage will happen. I know that there was actually footage last year, early last year, uh, of the scene where some of the guardians are going to uh, nowhere, and the collectors getting crushed by Thanos. They had like footage that had leaked on YouTube, and it wasn't completed footage. There was still some visual effect shots that weren't done, but it still was like. Oh my God, that's the movie. Give me more. I think that it's possible that at some point soon we'll get an Avengers trailer, whether it's leaked or otherwise. Uh, Interesting to note that Marvel.com also released the countdown for Spider-Man Far From Home. It's not the next Marvel movie we're getting, but it's a Marvel movie that is only 235 
days, 8 hours, 52 minutes, and 47 seconds at the time of recording this uh, away, which is awesome. I cannot wait for Spider-Man Far From Home. There's, you know, I think filming's almost done wrapping or they've done reshoots or whatever, and it's like, I just can't wait. I can't wait for the first footage for that, too. It's like, you got to think, like, all this amazing stuff we're going to get in 2019 in a really short span of time, March, May, July, boom, boom, boom. I mean, and I keep saying March, you guys, and everyone's like, it's fucking, it's, oh, March is Captain Marvel, but May is really April. It should be March, April, July, uh, which is nice because it'll be March, April, May, time to cool off and think about it, June, time to cool off and think about it, July, everybody packed to see what happened and, and what the after effects, because they said Spider-Man Far From Home will be taking place right after, minutes after the end of Avengers 4 and how that plays out and what's going to happen. I'm really interested in seeing what we get. Now, while I said there was a countdown clock for um, the one and the only uh, Spider-Man Far From Home, there's also a countdown clock for Avengers 4. And right now the countdown clock says 172 days, 5 hours, 51 minutes, and 23 seconds. Which 172 days wins? When is 172 days from Thursday, May 2nd, 2019? I wonder if that countdown is going to like freak out and change, and some people will notice and some people won't, because I do feel like they're going to release this movie early like they did and make it a global release in line with April, unless they have the global release going to be in the UK also May 2nd, which is possible. Who knows? Um, moving on here, let's talk about some Disney stuff because Disney and Fox have cleared a major, major hurdle in their deal with some conditions. I'm going to talk about it. Disney's purchase of Fox assets just took another major step towards being finalized as the European Commission have cleared the acquisition under a few conditions. So here are the conditions. To address the commission's competition concerns, Disney committee uh, to divest its interest in all factual channels it controls in the European economics area, namely history, H2, crime and investigation, Blaze, and Lifetime channels, said a statement from the European Commission. These channels are currently controlled by a Television Network, which is a joint venture between Disney and Hearst. The commitment fully, the commitments fully remove the overlap between Disney and Fox's activities in the wholesale uh, supply of factual channels in the EEA. Therefore, the Commission concluded that the proposed transaction, as modified by the commitments, would no longer raise competition concerns. The Commission's decision is conditional upon full compliance with the commitments. So they are going to have... Um, I guess it only makes sense that things are just coming to a close. I feel like before the end of the year, it's going to happen officially, and that's going to be really great for us. Uh, we've got some more Disney news here, huge Disney news, folks, because this is super fucking exciting. I'm so happy about this. Disney has officially named their streaming service. While we don't know how much it'll cost or when exactly we're going to be getting the Disney streaming service across all major platforms, like whether it's your PS4 or Xbox One or whatever the hell it is, Disney's streaming service is officially called Disney+. Plus. I'm looking forward to it. They also unveiled its new logo. And that was amazing. So here is pretty cool, interesting thing. Uh, during the earnings call, Disney also confirmed a prequel story. Oh, well, we're going to talk about those things here in a second. But the earnings call also said this. Uh, if, Dis if people wanted um, ESPN Plus, and I think it's going to be, what, Hulu as well, there's going to be an ultimately an opportunity to bundle them from a pricing perspective. The price will reflect a lower volume of product as will the cost of producing and owning the content. So Disney Plus could be cheaper than services like Netflix, though there's no way to know the actual cost until Disney makes the official announcement. Who knows what will happen from there. So with this announcement comes an announcement officially, and we had heard rumors and rumblings, and I don't think I've officially covered on the show yet, but it seems like there will be a TV show for Loki uh, coming to Disney Plus, Marvel's Loki television series officially announced at Disney during the call. 
Um, during the quarterly earnings call, Disney CEO Bob Iger confirmed that a live-action television series centered around Loki is in development at Disney+. Plus. This confirms news that was first reported in September, which suggests that Loki and Scarlet Witch shows were on the way. Awesome. Uh, some people are curious, will it be Tom Hiddleston? Will it be Kid Loki? Will it be Adult Loki? Will these stories be in the middle? Who knows? I actually don't know, and I don't know what to tell you guys, because to me it's one of those things when you think about Tom Hiddleston's become a kind of a big name, really. The the role of Loki has made him a household name, you know, genuinely. So if you put him in a series and put that series on Disney+, Plus, it's going to sell like fucking hotcakes. Maybe they release Disney Plus in June of this year. That's my guess. In between uh, your uh, Spider-Man Far From Home and your uh, Avengers 4 movie, you release your Disney streaming service and get people hooked on a Loki show that maybe either takes place before the events, during the events, after the events, in between the events, wherever the fuck you want them events of Loki's life. And we can see some interesting places uh, to take Loki and uh, shenanigans he's been under. So transitioning out of what Disney is offering, as I said, we were talking about Disney and the Fox deal going through, how we are so close. With that being said, here's some interesting things because the Deadpool PG-13 movie has officially been given the title, the logo, and its first poster. We're going to talk about it all. Once Upon a Deadpool, December 12th, folks, coming to you. It's only going to be available for 12 days. You guys are going to have to go see it within that 12 days. There are going to be some alterations to the movie, um, including Fred Savage reprising his role from Princess Bride and a whole bunch of interesting and weird shit. Uh, They're going to be giving a dollar for every ticket sold to Fuck Cancer, which will be renamed to Fudge Cancer for this limited time and campaign, Ryan Reynolds had said to Deadline. Um, uh, this is a quote from Ryan Reynolds. He also says, Fox has been asking for PG-13, basically, uh, since the start in 2006. I've said no since 2006. Now, this one time I said yes on two conditions. First, the proportions of the proceeds had to go to charity. Secondly, I wanted to kidnap Fred Savage. The second condition took some explaining. Uh, he also said, my petition in this film, oh, Savage, who spoke to Deadline, uh, is playing along with the kidnapped gimmick. He says, while my participation in this film is anything but voluntary, I'm happy to learn that the fudge cancer will be the beneficiary of the same shameless cash grab. So they're playing it up. They're yucking it up. It's going to be great. It's fun. It's Deadpool, Deadpool 2, an opportunity for kids who are 13 and under to see it in a less um, terrifying and really brutal manner, an opportunity to get away from um, and see what they can do with PG-13 going into this Fox deal with Marvel because you're going to need Deadpool, but you're probably going to need him a slight tone down, which really sucks. I really do wish that they can find a way to include him as rated R or beyond, but we'll have to see. Uh, the, tr- the, 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 the logo is cool. It's kind of got that like um, once upon a time, that TV show that's on whatever. Uh, but it's Deadpool riding a, un- uh, riding a reindeer with Fred Savage holding the reins of the reindeer. And it's kind of got this like frou-frou, um, I, I, it's like a, a doily, I don't know what the word is. It's like really fancy border and there's like some mountains in the background it's it's you know on december 7 on december 12th there will be zero f's given that's the official uh thing that 20th century fox released as they are trying to make money on deadpool before they get rid of it and give it to marvel because they know they're going to make a lot of money at marvel as well so we're still talking about disney we're talking about marvel we're talking about marvel disney and fox we're talking about all the other stuff we talked about disney plus let's talk about some star wars talk here before we shift and go to a whole different place that's not really comic books actually we're going to jump to a comic book thing and then we'll jump onto the non-comic book things for the end of our show how about star wars rogue one prequel series coming to disney streaming service so a Cassian Endor series coming to Disney's Disney Plus service. A rousing spy thriller will explore tales filled with espionage and daring missions to restore hope to a galaxy in the grip of a ruthless empire. The release date for the series has not yet been announced. Uh, going back... Oh, Luna, who's returning as Cassian Endor. What's his first name? I can never remember his fucking name. Diego. Diego Luna. Uh... 
speaking on returning to the role, he says, going back to the Star Wars universe is very special for me. I have so many memories of the great work we did together and the relationships I made throughout the journey. We have a fantastic adventure ahead of us, and this new exciting format will give us the chance to explore this character more deeply. Oh. A Variety reporter, Justin Kroll, stated that Luna will have to fill his obligations on the Netflix series Narcos before he can begin filming on the new Star Wars show. So lots of big announcements from Disney, lots of big news coming out of Disney and Marvel, and we talk about all those things because they're great. Another thing that's great is DC Comics, folks. I got a couple little things here. Uh, Zachary Levi was celebrating some reshoots, and I just want to briefly touch on this because I am very excited for this movie, and I do want to see it, especially with the other movie that's coming out in like a little over a month that I'm excited to see as well, and we're going to talk about that one here in a second as well. So Zachary Levi shared a close-up of the belt of Shazam celebrating the reshoots. He says, back in the saddle again, we about to make additional photography look real pretty. Also, now that I have your attention, if you're in the United States of America and you care about the direction of your country, oh, he does the thing about voting. So he uh, tried to draw them in and get them to pay attention so he could tell them to vote. Very smart. Good to use your voice to get people to vote. You need to use your voice and vote, folks. Always vote first. Use your voice. Um, new Aquaman character posters were revealed. I'm going to brief on these, okay? So we've got some things here. The posters have also unveiled a schedule of dates and locations for a global tour that will take James Wan around uh, to interact with fans and show off the new film early. Um, they're doing Beijing, London, New York, Milan, Manila, uh, Los Angeles, Miami, Gold Coast, Sydney, and Hawaii. No Chicago, you fucks. Uh, they do an Aquaman. He's in the classic Aquaman armor. It looks awesome. They do a Black Manta one. He looks Wicked as fuck. I love it. They do a Mara poster, Princess Mara. She looks amazing. Amber Heard killing it. Uh, you got Nicole Kidman as Queen Atlanta. And she looks awesome in her armor. And she's got her own... Um, it's not a trident. It's like a five dent or whatever. I don't know. Orm. King Orm. Looking crazy and cool. You got Willem Dafoe as Volko. And you've got King Nervous. 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 Narius, Narius, I bet is how they say it. So those all look cool. I'm excited for Aquaman, excited for Shazam, excited for the possible future of the DCEU. Let's see what they can do, folks. Maybe give them a chance. Maybe in a few months we'll be singing a different tune about the DCEU after we've seen Aquaman, after we've gotten some more teases for what's to come. Who knows? Uh, this one's close, near and dear to my heart and soul. I want to talk about it for a second as Super Mario Brothers movie is going to be in the works from the Despicable Me Studios. Uh, according to a Variety report, Illumination founder Chris Melan Melodandry, Melodandry wants to make an animated version of the classic video game series and share new details on the founder's views for the project. He referenced the past Super Mario Bros. movie, speaking about his thoughts on the new project. I like that this was not done well the first time. I think that's more exciting or more worthy than simply making another version of a film that was done incredibly well to begin with. We keep talking about um, working with uh, Miyamoto uh, he says that they are keeping him front and center in the creation of this film. I've rarely seen that happen with any adaptation where the original creator's voice is being embraced like we're embracing Miyamoto. There's a history in Hollywood of people believing that they know better than the people responsible for a property. I've made that mistake before. It's an ambitious task. The challenge is taking things that are so thin in their original form and finding depth that doesn't compromise what generations of fans love about Mario, but also feels organic to the iconography and can support a three-act structure. Awesome. They look to have the movie out by 2022. Now let's shift from that kind of a movie to a totally different kind of movie as a big announcement got announced. A huge announcement happened, I guess is how I should actually say that. Not saying a big announcement got announced because it was a fucking announcement. Of course it was announced. Uh, but huge, huge news here as Breaking Bad is reportedly coming back out of the woodwork just days after... Uh, AMC announced that they would follow up Andrew Lincoln's eight-year-plus deal on The Walking Dead with a trilogy of movies centered on Rick Grimes. The Albuquerque Journal has word that the network's other big property is doing the same. Um, under the operating name of Greenbrier, they are talking about a kidnapped man making an escape. So essentially, this is the story of Jesse Pinkman. 
I do know that Jesse Pinkman, Aaron Paul, is going to be returning. Uh, I know that uh, Brian Cranston said he is down to clown and wants to be a part of that and is super excited. And Brian Cranston is, and Dick, make sure he hears this, Brian Cranston is a phenomenal actor with depth and ability to play multiple positions and roles and characters in films and has soul and spirit to him. Um, so I'm hoping that he gets to actually do this. As he says, there appears to be a movie version of Breaking Bad, but I honestly had not even read the script. I have not gotten the script. I have not read the script. So there's a question of whether or not we will ever see Walter White in this mo- movie. He says, I would absolutely love if Vince Gillian asked me to do it. Sure, absolutely. He's a genius, and it's a great story. And there's a lot of people who felt that they wanted to see some kind of completion to some of these storylines that were left open. And this idea from what I'm told, getting into those, at least a couple of those characters who are not completed as far as their journey. So, um, really looking forward to this movie. And guess what? So are a lot of other people. Here are some things people are saying. Breaking Bad movie starring Aaron Paul. Please, please, please let it be true. The Walking Dead movie, Breaking Bad movie. AMC sure knows how to get that money. Great to hear Vince Gilliam will be working on the new Breaking Bad movie, but will it live up to the show or this is another reboot to add to the pile? They're ruining the ending of the Breaking Bad by making a movie. That's not true. If Jesse dies in the end of Breaking Bad movie, I will cry and then riot. Uh, Who said Breaking Bad movie was necessary? I'd like to fight this human. Um, I hope Jesse gets back into cooking, and I hope that Brock gets into it too and breaks every single person's heart and says Jesse is actually good. Damn, that's dark. Why in God's name are they making a Breaking Bad movie? The show was perfect. The ending was perfect. Leave it alone. I mean, in the best possible way. Why? The show ended perfectly. Uh, me investigating if this is breaking bad news is legit, and it's like a, a gif of Walter White. That's funny. It's cool, though, because Vince Gillian actually might have unveiled the plot to this several years ago, uh, actually saying, my personal feeling is Jesse got away, but the most likely thing, as negative as this sounds, is that they're going to find this kid, Jesse Pinkman's fingerprints, all over this lab, and they're going to find him within a day or a week or a month, you know, manhunt style. Uh, He goes on to explain that Jesse will be wanted for murder, um, for the murders of Hank and Steve, uh, spoiler alert, even though it was the neo-Nazis that took them down in that scene. Uh, He stressed that while the scenario was the most likely outcome, he still wanted to imagine that Jesse Pinkman got away and got to Alaska, changed his name, and had a new life. Into it. I want it. Bring it on. Breaking Bad movie. I am all about it. All 110. I'm all in for that movie for sure. Lastly, something that has not been covered on the podcast since probably the first or second episode all time. Another drink break brought to you by Poor News tomorrow on the Journey into Comics Network. So, here we are. And an interesting thing has dropped into the in, in from the ceiling because five years ago, so right before this podcast, uh, one of my favorite shows ended, and it was one of the worst endings ever. So Michael C. Hall from Dexter says, "Never say never when possibly relaunching the show." He says he would still by the f- he still stands by the finale's ambiguous ending. Every time I'm asked about it, I say this: "Never say never." The next thing I know, there's an announcement on the internet saying he's going to do it again. The way that show ended gave no sense of closure for people and a lot of questions unanswered. He seems to be in this self-imposed exile. He certainly didn't ride off into the sunset. His sister died. It left a gnarly knot in some viewer's stomachs. I stand by how that eighth season ended. He goes on to say he has a real connection for people, and all those people are compromised or destroyed in some way. Um, For it all to be uh, tidied up after that would have not been honest for him to simulate his own death and extricate himself from the context of his life made sense to me as far as any more of that happening it's possible as far as an actual reboot he says there have been different possibilities that have come up um they haven't felt worth doing but there's still something potentially there but there are no immediate plans to do that i would love to have dexter return it was one of my favorite shows all time I thought it did a great job of storytelling. Those first seven seasons are amazing. I will stand by that the eighth season in some ways was okay. In most ways, it really sucked, and I did not like it. I was not a fan, and it broke my heart uh, that they did the way they did the things that they did. So uh, I think, holy shit, folks, we did it. We've survived. 
Yesterday was uh, Veterans Day, so celebrate a veteran. Tell them that you never forget that they worked their asses off to keep us all safe and free and all that shit and give us the uh, availability to do podcasts and bitch about how awful the president is and all the other shit we get to do because we're a free country, at least in that regard. Um, But anyways, folks, this has been Journey Into Comics. You guys can check us out at journeyintocomics.com where you get the Journey Into Comics Network every single Monday. Uh, Journey Into Comics podcast coming to you live from the Journey Into Comics Network. And if you sign up to the Journey Into Comics Network by subscribing to iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher Radio, Google Play Music, or Spotify now, uh, you'll get all the shows on our network. we got Journey Into Comics, Poor Entertainment, Poor News, Journey Into Wrestling, Foodies Watching Movies, Adulting Ain't Easy, Podcastrophy, Kids for Sale, The Voice of Survival, Gallif Radio, and Bruise with Dudes, as well as the Best of the Week show. And let me tell you something, folks, in about two months here, we're going to have two new shows debuting on the Journey into Comics Network. They're both killer. They're both banging ass shows that I'm so excited to bring. They're uh, uh, both shows spawning from hosts from other shows. So it's, again, internally we're growing this thing even bigger and adding some new content. You guys are going to see a structural shift in the schedule. We're going to kind of keep this thing every six months. Some shows will rotate in, some shows will rotate out, and so on and so forth. I want to thank you guys so much for listening to Journey into Comics 217, allowing me to ramble about the election and Walk Among Us, the Chicago Bears, that crazy Fantastic Four movie, all the different articles and uh, headlines we talked about, the Disney Plus stuff, and what's to come from Dead Once Upon a Deadpool and all these things. Um, thank you guys so much for checking this episode out. As I said, I have been your host, Nate. This has been Journey into Comics 217. We will see you guys next week. Take care. Enjoy the rest of your week. Make sure to listen to Poor News Tuesday and Foodies Watching Movies on Wednesday and Podcastrophy on Thursday, where guess what? Go to podcastrophypod.podbean.com and you get your own feed podcastrophy, meaning when they do extra episodes for their feed, you get them. You also just get the main show here, which is nice. We love having the, the podcastrophy on our on our network. It's amazing. But you get that bonus shit, that cool extra extra, that something special, because they want you to go subscribe. They're now on iTunes. How fucking cool is that? They're going to try to get on Spotify next. The podcastrophy taking over this motherfucker. I love it. So thank you guys for listening to Journey into Comics. This has been JIC217. I am Nate. Thank you guys so much. Take care. Tip your caps back. And fill your brains with shit.